0: ephesians two eight through ten for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any one should boast, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them while john three sixteen surely is the most quoted verse in all of Scripture. As evangelicals, we probably also quote these verses here, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, almost as much. For it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Those words are so very simple, so clear and to the point. And they really leave no room for question. The exact and only means, method, and condition by which you and I can be saved is by grace, by grace through faith. Grace, God's generous, free, and totally unexpected, undeserved divine favor and love and pardon. It is by grace that we are saved. And I know that a clear understanding of these two verses, verses 8 and 9, is so very, very important because it's been my experience That most every person that I have witnessed to about their salvation, when I ask them why God should allow them to come into His kingdom, they've responded with some form of reasoning that are based on good works. I hear words like, "Well, I try to do my best, as good as I can, be as good as I can be," and uh, I, I really do try to treat people in the same way that I would like to be treated. And then sadly, there's a similar response that's also given very often, even by people who truly believe that they're saved. And I'm speaking specifically about this vast number of people who live here in our southern Bible Belt who, at some point or another, walked down an aisle and prayed a sinner's prayer, perhaps back in their childhood, but have since not given much time or effort to following forward with their faith. Now, their answer is often in a two-part response. Now, because they do believe that they have received Christ because they prayed that one prayer, they'll have a two-part response. And so when I say to them, why do you think God would allow you or any person to come into heaven? So they'll say, well, for me, I believe in God and I try my best, I do my best to be as good as I can be. And that response is really very consistent. Each of them having some form of self-effort that must be added to God's grace in order for them to be saved. Two parts. But that's not what Ephesians 8 and 9 say. It's not a two-part reason. For it is by grace that you are saved. Now, as I read back through Scripture, you can see that That's not a new response. Going back to the rich young ruler that we studied about some time ago. In Matthew 19, verse 16, he came to the Lord Jesus and he said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Did you note those words? What good thing shall I do to have eternal life? There seems to be this naturally occurring Belief that we must have to do something ourselves. We must have to do something ourselves in order to be saved. Now, Jesus, of course, He knew the right answer for this young man. And it says in one of the other accounts of, in one of the other Gospels, that Jesus looked at this young ruler and He loved him. And then He lovingly walked this young man through these steps that He would have to follow in order to have eternal life. Sadly, the young man at that point in time did not respond well. He turned and walked away. I do hope that sometime later on that he did turn back to Christ. I don't know. But now keep in mind though that these gospels tell us in several places that Jesus was always able to know the thoughts of the people around him. And that was surely so with this young man. So he knew that this young man had not always done Perfectly good works of righteousness all of his life. Although the young man had protested that. Jesus said, follow these commandments and these commandments. And the young man said, I've done that all of my life. Jesus knew that that young man had done well. But he had not followed all of those commandments all of the time. And he knows that neither do you and I. And that's why he gave us these words later on in Ephesians 8 and 9. For it is by grace then, not of those works, It is by grace that you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, and not of works. Not having done all of those things well. These are clear and plain words regarding grace and good works. And though we should not make any mistakes in our handling of them, as I have been studying through this, I have come to fear that I have perhaps often not handled them as well as I should have. In my zeal to give the right understanding about grace, I have perhaps left people with the wrong perceptions about where works fit into the whole plan of God. I confess that I, in most cases, have abruptly left off at the end of verse 9. And by doing that, I may have sometimes left those listeners with a misunderstanding about whether or not good works are really supposed to fit at all into the plans and purposes of God. Because, remember, you're talking to a brand new Christian or someone who is not a Christian. And so they haven't been studying a lot about these sorts of things. And I fear that perhaps by leaving off at verses 8 and 9, that I might have... Given them an understanding that good works are not important to God. That might sound foolish to you all, but to a person who does not have much of a relationship at all with the Lord, they're easily confused. And so I do fear that I might have given some of them a wrong impression about good works. So may I say to you and to me loudly and clearly, that such is not the case, God surely does want you and me and all other believers to do good works. Let me say that again. God surely does want you and me and all other believers to do good works. And that understanding is given to us very clearly here in verse 10. It's given to us as clearly as grace is given a clear explanation in verses 8 and 9. Here in verse 10, God tells us straightforwardly that good works are the very reason why God has poured out His grace upon us and He saved us. Listen to these words. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You've heard it said that God does not save us just to simply place us somewhere on a trophy shelf to be looked at and admired. And that's what he's telling us here. He has far greater plans and purposes for us. And they're described for us in these words, good works. And those good works that he has planned for us, they're carried out in so many different ways all during our our daily lives. Sometimes they are demonstrated just simply in the lifestyles that we're living. Because people are looking at you and me all of the time. And so those good works requires that we lead wholesome and godly lives, walking daily in the ways of the Lord Jesus. And then the blessing then comes on to us. Because as we walk in His ways, we not only enjoy gentle and peaceful days ourselves, but that same gentleness and peacefulness that we have within us, it extends on down into the lives and into the behaviors of our children and our children's children. Our good works providing a living witness to them to influence them and others to want that sweet love of the Lord Jesus for ourselves. In the message last week I spoke about attending my 50th high school reunion. Uh, Another thought that I have pondered is, as I walked among those classmates at that reunion, what did they see as they looked at me? from my appearance and my behavior, did they think that things were going well for me? Or did they think, perhaps as I related in this song by Robin Mark, when he was looking at an old classmate, did they think perhaps that dark days had obviously befallen me? And did they wonder where things might have gone wrong for me? What was the witness that I presented to them In a conversation the other night with some friends, one of the ladies said that she had read a book entitled, I'll Have What She's Having. I'll Have What She's Having. The implication being that one person is looking at another person and they see these mannerisms and these character traits and behaviors that they would like to have take place in their own life. Do people look at you and me and say, I want what he's having. I want what she's having. Is your godly witness that obvious in your good works? Is it something that others would desire for themselves as they see your good works? Or again, do they instead look at you or me and wonder what might have gone wrong? Now may I say again to us that works... Why, yes, they will never be a means by which a person can earn salvation. They are so vitally important. And may I emphasize that by saying they are not only desired by God, they are actually required. They are commanded by God. Listen to this. This is in Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. That's a command. Now we sometimes hear criticisms of Christians that they wear their religion on their shirt sleeve. And while there are some people who may do that in a wrong manner, may I say that if your and my Christianity is not somewhere close to the surface in our daily life, If other people have to actually ask if we are a Christian, then we are probably doing something very wrong. Very wrong. Those people who insist on their religion being a private matter, just between them and God, they have a very serious misunderstanding of these scriptures. Again, those words in Matthew 5, "...let your light so shine before men..." that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And note here too, he makes it very clear, the works that we're doing are not to attract people to us, but they are to attract people to Christ, to glorify God the Father in heaven. Now folks, listen, to be sure, we will be held accountable, both for the works that we do, and also for the works that we do not do that we should have done. And that accountability will be both in the days of this life because it will show up in your family. It will show up in your relationships with other people. And so it will be for the days of this life. And then it will also be brought to bear in our day of judgment. That accountability can be for just the simplest of our behaviors. Beginning with what we were talking about a moment ago. Do we openly and willingly acknowledge Christ as God our Savior? Listen to these words, Matthew 10, verse 32. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But, listen, but whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Folks, listen, those are frightening words. They should be spoken by the Almighty God who created and sustains everything that exists. We must understand that everything that He says will take place. If we deny Him before our friends, then He'll deny us before the Father. That's not a threat. That's a truth. He absolutely will do that. And folks, listen. Jesus is our mediator. He's our only mediator. He is the only one that stands between God and us. And if He denies us before the Father, then there is no hope left for us. And again, for those people who would dare insist that their religion be a private matter between them and God, they will have no religion at all when they are denied before God the Father. Our final and eternal accountability for doing these good works that he speaks about here. He's spoken about in Revelation 20. That's when we stand before God in judgment. Listen to these words. This is Revelation 20 beginning in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Did you catch that? Those last few words. And the dead were judged according to their works. Folks, there are good works for you and me to do. And you and I need to get about them. We need to get about doing those good works. What are those good works that God calls us to do? To begin with, we need to go back to the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are very clear. And just as with the Lord's Prayer, they begin with our relationship back to God the Father. And I'm going to give you some Scripture references on this. In Deuteronomy 6, we are told, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're also told that in Mark 12.30. So the first thing, our good works, goes back to the Father. And then we're to love others, other people. Our love for them should be obvious. That's Mark 12.31 and John 13.33. They will know, people will know that we are His disciples by our love for each other and we are to spend private intimate hours alone with god in our prayer closet that's another part of the good works that we show back to him that's matthew 6 verse 6 and then our love for god should be shown to him and others in our faithful attendance and involvement in church he tells us so in hebrews 10:25 that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together but we are to meet together for worship. And then we are to also have a continual study of these scriptures to show ourselves approved. That's found in 2 Timothy 2. And then he tells us that we are to give generously from our finances. That's found in Luke 6. All of those are good works and they keep right on and on. And all of those are focused back towards God. But then he wants those good works to then reach on out and to be the wellspring of works that we will be involved with all during our day in everything that we do. And he describes that. Listen to this. This is back in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. He says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, listen, that we should walk in them. This word walk speaks about all those many common, ordinary activities and and lifestyles that we involve ourselves in each day. That is our walk. In other words, the good works of of verse 10, they're not limited to the works of just those obviously focused on God. They reach on, and as I said a moment ago, that they form an outworking that flows from that relationship that we have with Christ. That brings me back to a thought, unless you, your heart is changed completely, unless you have become a new creature, these good works are not going to take place. And that brings back to that verse that we studied last week, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, "...I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice." wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by a renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A person whose heart and soul and mind has been surrendered to Christ and changed in this way. They're new creatures. And that new creature will have a new nature formed within it. Within you and me. And that will be clearly revealed. That new nature will be clearly revealed in our attitudes and our behaviors. All done within those commonplace activities of our day. And so people will look at you and me. And the way we walk. And they'll have certain thoughts about us. As I mentioned a moment ago. Everyone that looks at us. And they look look at our good works will they say, I want what he has. I want what she has. Our light should be so bright and so demanding, as the words of Matthew 5 tell us, that it would show out and shine out to everyone else around us. And they would look at us. And they would say, I want what he has. I want what she has. And then when on that day when we stand in judgment there before Christ he'll say to us, this is from Matthew 25 beginning in verse 34 he'll say, come come you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And He'll answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did with one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. These are good works. And they flow out of this relationship, this new creature that we have become in Christ. His Spirit dwells in you and me. And you and I need to get about these good works. And we'll find that as we continue to do them, that they will begin to become as natural as the breaths that we take. Let me close with these words. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray.